so thank you very much for everybody for being here tonight to attend this event. And today, we have four parts in total, as usual. The first part is the general introduction to meditation, or philosophically or technically. And second part, let's just do meditation together for 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And after that, with the, the quietened mind, let's go back to topic today, to examine the topic, time, and the timelessness. Um, and this, the third part might last about maybe 15 minutes, and then we just reach the end of the session with, with another 10 minutes of meditation to come down again after a, a very active reflection. So before we start today's session, let's play a game again. The game time now is that, so everybody will be given three minutes just to reflect how many moments have we thought about time today? It can be your schedules, plans, anything relevant to the concept of time. How many moments have you thought about that today?
So probably everybody feels that there are many moments in life we think for time. We have watch, we check it every few minutes or every few hours, hopefully. And we, we plan things based on time. So time has become such an important part of life. And that's why today we talk about time. Talk about time, why time has become such a part of life and all the troubles relevant to the concept of time. Yes, time really exists, right? We have the physical time. But we also have the psychological time. So in the third part of this today's session, let's look at the time. Because when the time is only on the consciousness, it's no time at all. It's, it's something called time, actually. But today we talk about time, not about something called time. It sounds confusing, but confusing from our own confusion about life. From the languages we speak, Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> so, the confusion always exists because as long as we communicate, we begin to miscommunicate. No matter who you are talking to, even with your parents, your partners, Without years of this kind of a living together to adjust the behavior or the understanding from both sides. The, mis the, miscommunic the miscommunication is hardly possible. That's why, you know, we say, why is people so difficult to establish the trust, the deep trust? And why it's so difficult to communicate. Someone can be easygoing, but someone can be very tough. It's all about the mind. Mind is always hidden behind the crowd. Always behind ourselves because the mind is a formless, right? You can't really describe it. If now you force me to, to, to tell me, to ask me how to define mind, I will get stuck. But if you don't ask me in that way, both of us can understand it perfectly. You see how tricky it is. When we really dig up the details or try to drill down the definition of something, 
we, we want to, we seek clarity by hopefully drilling down details or the definition of it. But in many situations, we get more confusion. So that's the thing we need to notice. The things around us and the relation between the things and the mind. Or the world and the mind. What is the world? The world. Yeah. W O R L D. World. Inner world. Actually, the world we see is always the projection of our inner world. I care about you sounds a very nice term, but it's only a self-projection. You don't need that care. I want to care you, but you don't need that care. But the, 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 the intention to care is a mere reflection of my self the self, the ego. Like last week, someone mentioned the universe. What is the universe like? We don't know at all. The thing we imagine or the thing we depict is only the inner projection of somebody who is into it. And then the media just spread it to more people. So everybody has inner world. And we project it to any other things, which means that we are creating the chaos of this world. So, to some extent, we can see that the chaos of this world is a mere projection of the chaos of the inner world. Without the order, from the inner world, there won't be any solution to the chaos of the outside world. Think about the issues has been continu continuing for centuries and centuries. No matter how, what kind of ideology we can provide, what kind of government we can create, the chaos won't stop. Will it? There are some theories going on that in the East, that people were more focused so on the inner space, like the social movements and so on, were not so active as in the West and were more fighting for uh, working class rights. So how do you explain this kind of movement? 
you need to project something like for the French oh. French Revolution, mm. for example, or this is like many people seeing a reflection when you are sharing an idea to change things. So we can't deny that there's some kind of progress that can contribute to the creator comfort, right? But we also notice that this kind of a social movements, in many ways, is still a game because the, the trouble won't stop. People, if people who has the tendency to ask for trouble, it's always asking for trouble. And uh, when an old movement stops, there's a new one. It's always going on and on and on and on. And we also notice that most of the movements found the young people, young generation. In different times, different areas, is the same. In their 20s or, or 30s. So, we also need to, probably need to observe the development, the development of the mind individually. So, uh, so one thing is that, uh, so, 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 so I understand the question, but I think what you were saying is that, uh, so how can one reconcile the fact that chaos is internal versus the perhaps need for movements. So perhaps you were saying that the idea that chaos is internal and the need for movements are contradictory. Is that what you were saying? Yes, and how you change the world, like changing yourself inside, looking inward, mm -hmm. or sharing and get socially involved. Right. Yeah. So, so what I'm also thinking is that perhaps these two things can also go together. Maybe mm -hmm. I mean, it might be possible for you to not have internal chaos and still want to move the world. Right? I mean, that can also happen. Yes. The social movement is only a form. Is yeah. but it really depends on how we organize the movement. Means the how we define the philosophy of doing that. That's the part. It's very difficult, right? So, we have the mental chaos everything has. So without creating the order from within, individually, any solution, we call the solution to the society, won't be a solution. Because when we think that one form trouble ends, as new trouble appears. So, you know, probably to really make the society in progress, we need a deeper level psychological, psychological revolution. Probably it's almost impossible to finish because I can't help you to revolutionize. You can only help yourself. So you see, everything is about the mind.
also the society we are living in is also a gathering of all kinds of minds. The interactions between human beings influences emotions. I'll also come back to the basic topic, why we talk about the mind, why we talk about the meditation. Why we look inward, why not look outward? Hmm? To look at the observer? And also, maybe, strictly speaking, outward is not really there. I mean, in, in, in our perception, there is only the inward thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not really possible to look outward. You cannot do that. Our mind is always in a continuous state, always continuous, right? But look at what most people are doing, or the way they live their life, is always to divide. Divide a lot of things. Want to classify something, want to categorize something, want to try to make a boundary between something. But our mind is always continuous. If we divide, which means that we make things absolute. And this absolute stuff just simply cause the mental conflicts, does it? We're trying to, we're trying to define different levels, different things. Think about in your life. The, divide, the division always leads to mental conflicts, eventually. Why we divide? Why do we divide? Why we have this kind of a misconception that we can divide? Yes, we label things. We always map our mind to some symbols. Is it? 
we always map it to some image, some symbols. Symbols and image can be divided easily, right? So we misunderstand the symbols at the mind. That's why, oh yeah, it's really great to divide, to, to make it to draw a boundary, because any symbols can make it boundary very easily. So, is in the thoughts, is in the thought a label or not, or image? So now we see my left hand is the mind, my right hand is the labels or the images. So where, which does the thought belong to? This part. So can you give an example? Uh, can you give an example? So if you now forget your language, can you still think or not? Do all kinds of argument or definition. Oh, somebody's coming. Hi, I see no hurry. Welcome. Like I said, taking pictures. Yes, images. What if you like good images? Can you still think or not? Because the images or symbols is on my right hand. You see, yeah. there's such a very strong mapping between the left hand and the right hand. The, right, the left hand is the the mind, the, the right hand is the symbols and images. So just before you came, we asked question. So which, which hand does the thought belong to? The left hand is the mind, and the right hand is the symbols and images. The answer is right hand. So when we have new symbols, like we have new languages, when we have new images, can we still think or not? If you don't have any language at all, visual or words or whatever, I think it's fine. I'm not convinced. So, so, so we can still feel, right? I guess the question is, I can still feel my breath. If you feel it, which hand does it belong to? Mine. This hand, right. You see, thoughts divide us, do they? So you think thought is the mind? No, but the thoughts, you know, the images, 
the gods don't belong to the mind. Any comment on that? Repeat it. Yeah. So we always think, right? But here must be the confusion from the languages. So that's what. The question is that, because here there must be some confusion in both languages. So, does thinking have to generate thoughts or not? Yeah. So, uh, actually, uh, okay. So, 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 I think that I have another example for you. Another, another counter example for a statement that thoughts require uh, images and symbols. So, imagine somebody, uh, and so, so, so this person has his eyes closed. And I, I drown him in the water. Okay, I waterboard him. Okay, now this person will, will try to you know fight back. He will try to to raise his head up. Okay, so how does this, so how does he decide to do this? Like he cannot see anything. He cannot. There are no words involved. But he feels, and then he some decision happens. So the, so that's a, so that's a, so the mind is doing something here, which is not required yeah. images and. So. Still come back to the question, I think similar to does thinking have to generate thoughts or not? Because here it's tricky part of the confusion because the languages and uh, I think I will answer this question shortly because it's similar to this question. Yeah. So does thinking have to generate thoughts or not? No, you, Just remind you, everybody, so be mindful about this discussion. It's best for everybody to look within by themselves. If we just resort to languages here, it's only about confusion. We can, re we can discuss it until the cows come home.
Is it just to observe your mind? Don't take what I said or everybody else said seriously. You need to observe your mind. That's very essential. Here, everybody sit here together to reflect. We are also thinking. to understand how the mind works. But if we are obsessed with thoughts, it's a different scenario, is it? When we, when we are obsessed with thoughts, we begin to create stories based on thoughts. But here, we look at the mind to understand the fact of it, not a new story about the mind. It means that we need to feel the mind, not speak it. Because if you want to use any verse to represent the mind or try to summarize it, it's become your new thoughts. Just a moment ago, we began to discuss about the mind thinking, whatever. But we can use, everybody use the word mind, but I would say every means it a little bit differently. So when to look at it, non-judgmentally, at present, letting go of all the knowledge about the mind or any experiences. That's the observance of the mind. To understand it, we just need to observe it, not verbalize it. They will have to do now here, just try to trigger some reflection. So back to the model here, the, right, the left hand is the mind, so to speak, the right hand it's the symbols and the images. And we, based on the, the, the division, based on the right, right hand, because we identify the right hands with the mind. And that's the source of all the chaos, is it? You're 
Schwarzwald ist dabei, das ist Holger Fürst. If we, everybody, look within, feel the mind, feel the day, do we still have conflicts or not? Where does the mental conflict come from? Sometimes we just fight within, with ourselves. We have two souls contradicting each other. Sometimes we fight with others. Because two different thoughts exist in two minds. But if we feel the mind, not resort to any thoughts, mental images, symbols, do we still have mental conflict or not? Not only with yourself, but with others. Without these languages, or symbols, do you still want to claim you are Dutch, you are Chinese, you are India, or not? Try to have this kind of nationalism based purely based on words and thoughts. Isn't, isn't the ignorance of the mind that leads to this chaos? We only think symbols, languages, whatever, which can represent us. I'm not feminist. So, so for instance, imagine the situation that, let's say, we are both starving, and there's a piece of bread here. Now there will be conflict, right? We both try to get the bread. You mean the bread? And there's a bread, there's a piece of food here, mm -hmm. and both, both of us are starving. Mm -hmm. It's easy to, to misunderstand so our psychological plight and the survival plight. So, of course, if everybody starves, now we just degrade to animals purely for food. But in that situation, do you think humans will kill each other or clap with each other for more food? So if we are all starving, do we compete for food or we work together to create more food? Think about the history. Is there an, another species can kill each other so much? Is that human? Why we have so much, so much war? Do we really stop? Not really, but we still kill each other. Think about the Second World War. Think about the, the, the all kinds of a war in different countries, in different areas. Because different thoughts, because different faith. Look at all the sufferings as a consequence of this chaos, of this division. If we can, if, if everybody stops, probably we 
immediately return to the present. Who knows? But now we are too far away psychologically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's more about thoughts and it's something deeper than uh, I think everybody has this whole fear and A good question. Think about thoughts. Without thoughts, do we fear or not? Without thoughts, are you still anxious or not? Isn't anxious a, a, a sort of fear? Or isn't anxiety fear? So we can give the names to emotions like anxiety, depression, or thoughts. But from the, from the neural levels, are there any difference between thoughts emotions from the neurons. So you say here, when we create division between thoughts, emotions, we confuse ourselves. Emotions and thoughts are the same thing. I won't say it's the same thing, but I won't say it's a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> If you say it's the same thing, it creates a division. If you say it's different thing, it's also a division, is it? So just notice it. The boundary between thoughts and emotions is purely within our consciousness, but from the neurons. Can you draw a line or not? Without thoughts, you won't have any fear, will you? After meditating a while, I think it might take the feeling away before the thoughts. So then is something there is some thinking level I'm not so aware of. Because for me, it's like happy palpitations, I feel angry, or and then my brain goes into the story. Mm. So, we're using the different levels of thinking, and you can be also having some train of thoughts you are not aware about that this is happening. So, if we now just use pure languages to describe what, what we call levels of thinking, whatever, it always leads to the, you know, the conflicts eventually. The thing we need to know is that. What is your question again? So what I was saying, so if you think okay. like it's an emotion and it's just a thought, it's just a mm. not articulated mm. thought. Thought is always in your mind, but sometimes it doesn't enter into your consciousness. So that's why sometimes you might think, oh, maybe feeling appears first. But that's why a lot of people feel anxious, but they don't know why. 
So to meditate, it means that we need to understand how the thoughts are generated. So we can really quieten the mind. Not only that thoughts not appear on the consciousness, no, also not in the subconsciousness. So we have a still mind, quiet mind, quieter mind. So, as we said before in the past few sessions, actually the solution, if you call a solution, is very simple, uh, literally. Observe it. If you have a deep enough level of awareness, if you notice it, the problem is gone. You don't need to do anything about that. Oh, and avoid that thought. I need to be compassionate. I need to be loving. That's not the thing we need to do. If, if we notice this kind of a pettiness of the mind, the problems, the problems disappear. The problem now, actually, so to speak, is that we are lacking the awareness of the mind. And when we are fully focused or attached to the symbols, images, we purely lose the awareness of the mind. That's the problem that leads to the chaos. Anybody want to answer this question? Is awareness a thought or not? Feel it. You, feel, you need to feel yourself. Yeah. You see, that's why when we discuss it using languages, or, or mean philosophically, in languages, we only create confusion. Unless we feel the mind individually, we will clear the confusion. Right? Awareness and thought. And I can only to this point. For left, you need to feel yourself. <laughs> We're not aware of something. Is that the same with I'm thinking about something? Like if I stare at, at Joyce, everybody else is in my awareness. When you notice that you are dominated by some kind of hatred or resentment, is that a thought or awareness? Just notice it without any judgment. Is that state a thought or an awareness?
you see, that's the really challenge, the, the, the challenging part of doing philosophy. It's not about words. It's not about that we define all, all kinds of abstruse terms. Not that. It's, re it's really requires everybody in this room to observe the mind now. That's the meditation. When you feel it, you won't be confused. If you don't feel it, we can argue based on verse. And then we had conflicts until we feel it individually. That's the meditation in general, to observe the mind, the, right hand, the, left, the left hand, without the right hand. And actually, any way to observe the left hand, I mean the mind, is meditation. That's why we say there's no fixed form to meditate. Because we don't care about the form of it, we only care about the essence of it. It's just to observe the mind at this moment, non-judgmentally, without any past experience or knowledge. That's it. And before we continue the meditation today, Let's just have another small game. So now, in the next two minutes, let's reflect upon such a fact, I will call it. How are we so reactionary to languages? Two minutes. Reactionary. To, to languages, to words.
you see the very complicated relationship between the left hand and the right, the right hand. I think every see it in one way or another, right? We are so trapped in the, in the reactions to the right hand, are we? If I say some, some, some terrible verse, you can be irritated immediately. Can you? So you, you, always, you always want to listen to some kind verse. Do you? I don't give further comments. Think about yourself. <laughs> we need to observe it. Observe the reaction we get stuck in. It, it might be good. It might be a good thing. But it probably is a bad thing as well. But when we notice it, means that we don't judge it. We just notice it. We don't use any theory. No, no theory at all, right? Appearance, no. We just feel now because you understand me what I said. It's obviously an erection reaction already. So this is an example of observance. You don't need to say it's good or bad. Don't, that's no point. Because anything called good or bad is a division, is it? But when you notice it, that's fair enough. So now let's meditate 10 minutes and then we can continue the third part. The topic today is time and the timelessness. Right? Perfect. Is the resume there? Oh yeah, I find it. Yeah. Now let's take a ten minute meditation. Start by taking a moment to find a comfortable position to sit in a posture that you feel relaxed and get alert. 
Let hands rest on your knees or laps. Let the eyes close gently. Soften your forehead. Act a soft smile in the corner of your lips. Breathe naturally. As you breathe in, be aware as you breathe in. Feel the sensation of breathe in. As you breathe out, be aware of breathing out. Feel the sensation of breathing out. Fix your attention on the breath. Let go of any thought. This moment, nothing is more important than breath. Every time you hear the bell, notice where your attention is. If it wasn't on the breath, gently invite your attention back to the breath, and try your best to sustain your attention on the breath.
Slowly, bring your awareness back to the room. Feel into your body. Wiggle your fingers and toes. When you are ready, open your eyes. Now let's take a ten-minute meditation. So, how does everybody feel now? So personally, I would say next time try to skip it, because if you can feel it immediately, you don't need to label it, because we use that as a trick, and if you. Yeah, try to let go because I think now you have pressed for a long time. Probably it's best to try to not do without a with it. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, does everybody feel uh, the, the session is too long? Or too, I mean, the 10 minutes is too long or too short? If I say this session is not 10 minutes, it's 12 minutes, do you feel the difference? It's like a thing much shorter. Yes. You see, when you listen to 10 minutes, this word, you will begin to have some image about that. But actually, it's 12 minutes. You, you can't feel it. You, you won't notice any difference. So that's why today, let's talk about time. What does time mean to you? For some people, they feel the 10 minutes like 10 years. But some, for some people who just give their full attention on the mind, oh, it's already 10 minutes. You see, different people have different feeling about 
the length of time. So today, let's talk about this. What is time? Does time really exist or not? Time exists because we cannot go back in time. Mm -hmm. And we are becoming old day by day. We are becoming mature day by day. That's better to say. Right? <laughs> and we die. We die. We will die. And the earth is rotating all the time. Either self-rotation or rotate around the sun or being rotated by the moon or whatever. So there must be some kind of movement that leads to some bio biological change. Right? We only live up to 100 years for most people if they are lucky enough. And then we despair from this planet. So there must be a process that we are really becoming aged day by day. And that's a fact, is it? So we call it here, just so, so, so for convenience, we call it physical time to make, to make it less confusing. So we do have physical time. There are 24 hours per day. But if we define physical time, or temporarily here, there must be some other kind of time which might let us mistake as physical time. Right? What's that time? Our psychological time, so to speak. For 10 minutes, it's just 10 minutes. Everybody feels differently. So our perception of time. Uh, the perception of time. Our perception of time. So the, we can call it the psychological time. This time is the topic today, not the physical time. Because it's there. It's undeniable, right? But the psychological time is a very different topic. So let's start from the breath meditation. We just did a few minutes ago. For those people who felt the time is very long, I mean, the 10 minutes is very long during meditation.
and for those people who feel very short or just didn't pay attention to the time, they have different feelings. I think this scenario is very similar to our lot of life situations. If we are calculating time second by second, we are very impatient. But when you forget the time, you have you will feel differently. Do you? So here, we can observe that. It seems that for most people, the perception of time matters more than the time itself. What is time, psychologically? Mm -hmm. A notion of change. Ties the movement. So when you're scared, then somehow you start feeling time faster. So in a, so following verse, does it mean that time is a thought or not? So to speak. Time is a concept, is it? Because we care about that on our consciousness. Does animals care about that? Maybe. Maybe, mm -hmm. Maybe not, I don't know. <laughs> what is called past and the future? So we can say that past and future is also a thought or a concept. It's just something that we know and future is something that we don't know. Anticipation. 
Oh, there's another question. So is there any difference between future and past? We just call it future and past. But is that really different or not? According to my definition, yes. Because <laughs> we know the past and we know the future. Because, as you said, future is the anticipation. That isn't the production of the past. So what, you know, if, if so, why do we call it future? Or we, probably it's called newer past. You see, the whole language is confusing us. We create a lot of this kind of a nonsense. That's why past is different than the future. We think we knew the past, right? But do we really know it or not? It's only mere some kind of a projection or some images, which we just uh, selectively made up. Sorry, you're crazy. I think yeah. I know what I ate for lunch. We had the memory. Some part of the past we perhaps know for sure, but other parts we may not. Nothing we know for sure. I'm talking more about like big things of the past when you think about a period of your life. Not what you have for lunch today, because this is kind of very Me recent. It's the past. Ah. It's still the past, you are right. So in that sense, it's right. There are more things about the past you know than about the future. But if you decide to bend your mind on something like this, mm. then Because memory can be something we misunderstand as past. Of course, it's very similar, is it? But as we hear, the past can be a lot of things. Experiences, the things happen to you. Whatever. We can call it past. Also, memory is also partially the past. Here, we don't say, yeah, you don't, you don't need to have, forget the past, or you don't need to have a new future. We don't say that. But we need to observe the how ridiculous the concept of the past and future is in our life. Because we have been tricked by that for probably a, a lifetime. Nothing is absolute, definitely. But if we are present, what does that mean? So you are free from the past and the future. Or we can say you die to the past and the future. So there's an English going that uh, there's an English saying that there's no time like the present. 
Sounds very familiar, right? Very similar to this situation. When we're really living at this moment, without being hampered by the past or the future, the projection, the projection of the past, So trying to figure out what exactly this means. So, so what is the meaning of not being hampered? So, I, because I just can give you an example personally, like our identity. Isn't a just kind of a this kind of an extension or continuation from the past to define who we are? We always. Re look to the past to define who we are. And uh, I would say this can hamper you from discovering who you really are. Yeah. Because we, when we give thought, we make things continuous, like the experience or whatever. When we give thoughts to the past, they'll become the future. When we give thought to the past, we make the past the future. Right? We hold on to that concept of the identity. Oh, yeah, I'm a doctor, I'm a dentist, I'm a driver. When we give thought to that, actually, we continue the past continue our identity. That's what most people are doing actually, right, in the society. But, but then there's nothing else we can do, right? This is required. How else can we live, right? We have to learn something from the you have a lot of uh, technical knowledge that we can write down in a book or whatever. But here, let's look at the knowledge about you, not about some techniques. As we said before, the past we, we mean is some kind of mental images, whatever. It's something probably has been distorted already. And you learn from that distortion to project that distortion on you to make that distortion continue. Is it? We all say, oh, yeah, I have a past. But that's your perception with it. You selectively made it up. And then you just, just rely on it. Oh, I learned from my past. It's just, a, it's just a pretext that you just continue your, your distortion. How cunning we are. Are we?
So, in essence, the past and future is an extension of the, the, of the concept of the time. So, in your life, how many of us are planning things every day? Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. We have a lot of planning all the time. But how many of us are really strictly following it? I think somebody who is strictly fortunate must have a lot of sufferings, I guess. If you don't follow at all, I can imagine also kind of suffering. <laughs> the money is a very tricky part. And when we plan things, We give thoughts to the time, which means that we have a lot of thoughts, which can be called what should be, what should do. Here, I don't deny the value of planning things. But we need to question our mental state in doing that. It's questioning, not denying, okay? <laughs> when you plan things, we have a lot of what should be, is it? Okay, I should do this by that, by that time, I should do that. And here, it really matters, is your focus. If you focus on what should be, then, then what happened? What will happen? The gap between what? what between what it is and what you want it to be. Exactly. The gap between what is and what should be. Is that gap the movement, the movement of thought? Is that gap the movement of the thought or not? So is the gap between what is and what should be the movement of thought? Analyze the situation, then we get the gap, and then there are three different states. So I don't think it's the same thought moving, there are three different thoughts. So there are different thoughts. Just try to observe the mind. Let's just observe it again. I don't think it's a thought because, like, yeah. what should be is your thought. It doesn't have anything in common with the reality. 
When you have the, what is in your mind, and what should be in your mind, you have to slide from what is to what should be. This slide is kind of movement, is it? Mm -hmm. Then, as Bob said, that's the time. Let's just reflect for two minutes. The gap between what is and what should be. Isn't, isn't this gap the movement of the thoughts the which leads to the time, psychological time? Here, so like I want to lose five kilos. It sounds very easy. When we give new thoughts, just do it. But most time, just the the this the the the, the more about, have some issues with the thoughts. Oh, oh, it is too slow. I have run ten kilometers today, but I didn't lose any. Yeah. So that's the time we are talking about. Of course, if you keep doing it, running 10 kilos for, I mean, for 10 days, definitely you'll lose 10 kilos, for sure. Well, for most people, that's also sounds a little absolute. 
but if we really really into the process, we have a lot of uh, mental challenges during this process of losing fats, losing weight. So that's the sorrow for the time, is it? You get a frustration, oh yeah, my plan just screwed up. And then, oh yeah, I, 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 I two kilos. I took two kilos. Yeah. What happens then? There's no movement. So that's still the movement, is it? Still, you feel the sorrow from the time, record the time, yeah, the server time. So you do have to understand today in the session the things that you need to feel it, to observe it. It's very subtle things, but we need to be aware of that. That's it. You don't have to be aware. Uh, you don't have to be aware of it today. But obviously, probably at some point in your life, you might be aware of that. Think about our. The procrastination delay. It's a similar, right? It's a similar situation. When we are thinking about time, entry, wasting time. Sometimes, yes, sometimes you know, depends. For instance, sometimes, you know, suppose. Uh, tomorrow I have an exam, so I have to plan that okay, I have to study these things. That's perhaps not a waste of time. But uh, if I am just thinking about it and not doing anything, that's here because I just give them or just respond to your example. So if, it's, if you have an exam tomorrow, but if you have done regularly with your efforts, probably you don't need to plan anything today. But most of the time we just cram for it. And then we feel, we still want, oh yeah, we can just, you know, it's, a, it's not only about today and tomorrow, it's about a long a range of your mental activities. So it's not always the best, right? Sometimes it's good to, good to plan, good to think. Yeah. I think always thinking about time is wasting time. And then the question is how much you waste. Because then I think like, okay, what time is it now? And I just look at my watch. It takes me two seconds. And then just those two seconds that I devoted to thinking about time, and I could have devoted to something else, right? But then in this sense, 
Here, let's come back to the left-hand and right-hand model. So the question is, is time continuous or is time discrete? Is time conti continuous or is time discrete? It's more mathematical, it <laughs> sounds like. As we said before, mind is always continuous, is it? Because all neuron, everything's always working all the time with different part of the brain. But the question is, is time continuous or is time discrete? It sounds like we put this discussion into a mathematical class. But when we think about time, time is discrete, is it? We're making it discrete by thinking of it. Yes. But the physical time is always continuous. And when we think about time, especially during the planning, we make time discrete. In that, in the very process. It creates the in, the intrinsic conflicts on the mind. That's why most people, if, if they can't plan things based on the nature mind, they won't achieve the plan, because the plan itself is against nature, against the nature of the mind. Is it? Because when we think about time, let's think about plan. Plan is always good around time. But when we think about time, time is discrete. But our mind is always continuous. This means that you have to have the wisdom to plan things. If you don't have the freedom, the wisdom, and it means that you plan things not based on the nature of the mind. And if you focus on the plan, the plan kills you. You need to have the wisdom to plan things. It means that you need to plan things based on the nature of the mind. It means that your focus is not on the plan, it's on your mind. But you, still, you can still plan it, of course, I won't deny it, but if you 
really plan things based on the nature of the mind, which means that you need to understand yourself thoroughly to understand the conflicts between the continuous mind and the discrete time. You'll get a solution to it. Sorry, why is mind continuous? I, I don't understand. Sorry? So why is mind continuous? Because our mind is supported by our neurons. If neurons work discreetly, we will die. We cannot stop it. <laughs> you can't stop it. You can't control it. It's always in a state. It's running, working. That's what we call continuous. But when you think about mind, the mind is becoming discrete because that mind is a concept, not the mind we mean here, right? Yeah. Okay, I think, so that's the end of today's third set part of the session. So let's have maybe 10 minutes break, and then we come back to meditate to end today's session, shall we? Okay, great. So, so before we start the last part, so today we had talk about a lot, about time and stuff, and uh, forget about it, okay? Just forget it. No, no point to hold to that source, because we only dedicate our time and space to this session to talk about that. And, uh, after this session, just, just forget what I said. And, and just back to your life. Your life is your best teacher. Okay? Follow your own instinct. Follow your own observance. And that's the true understanding of the mind, not what I said. But then what's the point of So if you give your full attention today to the session, that is your meditation already. And uh, definitely what we have discussed and what you have reflected must give you something already. That's an expectation. Okay. <laughs> um, so everybody can, might get different things, but it's from your observance, not from what I said. Because we also need to make sure that we have proper relationship. If you've always looked for, look to what I said, without thinking or whatever, I'm becoming your authority. And uh, you kill me, I'll kill you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, the master kills the, 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 the disciples. The, 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 the disciples kills the master. Lesson. Be yourself. That's the meaning. Yeah. <laughs> Be yourself. Um, observe your mind. 
and you will get it. You don't need to rely on anybody to tell you who you are. You understand, you know who you really are, right? Uh, so let's meditate for another 10 minutes to calm down again. And after that, I think everybody can live here, hopefully with peace and calm. Okay, let's do it. Now, let's take a 10-minute meditation. Start by taking a moment to find a comfortable position to sit in a posture that you feel relaxed and get alert. Let hands rest on your knees or laps. Let the eyes close gently. Soften your forehead. Act a soft smell in the corner of your lips. Breathe naturally. As you breathe in, be aware of your breathe in. Feel the sensation of breathe in. As you breathe out, be aware of breathing out. Feel the sensation of breathing out. Fix your attention on the breath. Let go of any thought. This moment, nothing is more important than breath. Every time you hear the bell, notice where your attention is. If it wasn't on the breath, gently invite your attention back to the breath and try your best to sustain your attention on the breath.
Slowly bring your awareness back to the room. Feel into your body. Wiggle your fingers and toes. When you are ready, open your eyes. So the final message: If you have time, I think you you will you you have time. Try to meditate regularly to give it some space to observe it without being influenced by anything. And uh, you don't have to. That's Bob's word, not my words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I hope. Yeah. So everybody will find their own path to understand the whole world, and uh, nobody can help you. And uh, you, the best way for you just to observe your mind, the the left hand, without any or notice aware of the the problem of the right hand. And and、uh, have a wonderful week, and、uh, hopefully, I could see some us in the future, in the next event, or whenever. And、uh, again, thank you for being here tonight to make it, this event happen. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Flower. <laughs> Should be all of these. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just click this. Yes.